I always yeah. had this idea that Mac, yeah. oh, Mac can't drive a stick. Yeah. Oh, Mac can't do this because of early conditioning yeah. that I was only yeah. capable of one thing. Yeah. And as they say in recovery, these old ideas that we have about ourselves have to be smashed. That's right. So that we can create space for new skills, mm. new interests, new ways of being. Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, and this is my amazing co-host, Robin French. I almost said Robin Mooney. I know. We have two Robins, yeah. Mac. We, so she knows Robin Mooney. Yeah, we call Oh, yes, I do. We're double B. We're one B and two B. Yeah. Well, work. welcome, we'll Robin French. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and, and Robin Mooney told me to tell you, uh, Mackenzie, hello, and she loves you. And I, I love Robin and Jimmy. I am so excited that we are joined today by the one and only Mackenzie Phillips, who you all know from stage screen and currently is a huge public advocate for treatment and recovery and substance use addiction. So Mackenzie, thank you so much thank for being you. here. I can't wait to, I was, we were just saying before we started, I haven't seen you in two years in person, so I can't wait to see you and hug your neck. Aww. I mean, let's do it. Are you going to go to West Coast this year? West oh, Coast yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll definitely see you there and we'll, we'll get some squishies in. Absolutely. I'm coming out to LA on Thursday this week. Um, I'll be staying at the Sunset Marquee, probably one of your oh. old haunts. Um, oh, yeah. The, oh, scene yeah. Many, the scene of many crimes. Back <laughs> exactly in the right. Yeah. And I'll be staying there. We're doing uh, Lee Steinberg's Super Bowl party and we're sponsoring the Brain Health Room. So we're really excited about that. We'll be talking about TBI and we'll be talking about substance abuse and treatment. That's going to so, be very yeah. cool. So Mac, thank you for doing this with us today. My yeah, pleasure. You, you know, I love you. I'm happy to be here. I love you too. And you just Fine. had knee replacement surgery. I did. I'm, I'm just about three weeks out from total knee replacement. So <sighs> it has, it is really, you know, and there's an element of, mortality. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, how am mm -hmm. I old enough to need a knee replacement? Mm -hmm. There's an element of it has forced me to slow down. Sure. And I'm always a person who's like tasky. Let's do it. Let's yep. get it. Go, done. Go, Let's go. Do it. And I currently uh, have just graduated from the walker to the cane. Yes. All right. Um, <laughs> and then of course, there's also the element of pain medication yeah. and how one manages that in, you know, in recovery. So oh, that's yeah. been the thing. And I have an adult son. I have a 35 year old son. His name is Shane. Mm -hmm. And he lives here in our big old house with me. And he's very boundaried. Yeah. He's not an addict. <laughs> God knows that happens. So he's like, you know, holding the meds, bringing them. Uh -huh. And, and so it's been, it's been a really, it's been a really interesting 
time for me. I moved from my upstairs bedroom to the guest room on the main floor. Yeah. It's just it's just bringing up so much stuff for me in negative ways and in positive ways. And, Absolutely. And I'm managing well. So yeah. thank you for bringing it up. Of course, mm-hmm. being being in recovery. Tell me about, you know, my background, of course, is chronic pain and opiate addiction. So, Mac, how have you been handling your physical pain from a total knee replacement and then your medication? Because obviously having total knee replacement, you're going to need some pain medication. So I know that he's been amazing and he's been helping you with holding the medication, which is the right way to do this. But how are you emotionally handling this? Well, let me say this. I have a history of hypoalgesia. Mm Mm-hmm. And chronic pain, which was medicated by a neurologist who said, oh, my God, you'll never be off pain medication. It was fentanyl patches, liquid oxy, uh, actique lollipops. And like it was just over the top. And I, you know, my brother once my brother was in long term recovery and he is in recovery again now. Mm But he sent me a book that said, Healing Your Pain Spiritually. And I threw it at it. I threw it. I was like, screw you. You don't understand (laughs) my pain. Exactly. Yeah. And then as, you know, as as one does, which people would think it would be a very unlikely jump to go from prescribed pain medication to street drugs. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you it's happening. It's it's not surprising to think about it in terms of someone like me. Mm -hmm doing that jump, but it is surprising. People think, well, I, this guy's a lawyer. He would never do that. Right. Oh, yes, he would. Oh, yes, he would. He would. Mm-hmm. And so when my doctors were like, oh, this is getting a little out of hand, and they they stopped prescribing, I started, you know, using black heroin, black tar mm-hmm. heroin. But then when I, you know, when I got sober again, mm-hmm. years many years ago, the pain was gone like yeah. you know normal aches sure. and, pains and yeah. freaky this and yeah. freaky that but then thinking back to you know these prescribed medications and this syndrome yeah. of pain that i was in which was justifying to continuing absolutely and, the, and you had it we're experiencing that hyperalgesia right absolutely yeah. so the, the the opioid pins the pain in place yep. makes it uh more powerful sure does and so having said all of that you know none of that experience really matters unless mm-hmm. you're present in your life. Yeah, that's right. Because the opiate will jump into your brain and make things look very different than they actually are. I've had a really good experience. It's been, yeah. you know, at first here this is very interesting to me anyway and likely mm-hmm. to you. At first when the doses were higher to manage the pain I was like, oh, my God, opiates are so gross. Yeah, yeah. How did I ever want to feel this way? This is disgusting, right? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then I think they become more tolerable the longer you take them. Absolutely. They do. Right? Yeah. And so there's been an element of, hey, well, this isn't that bad. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. And then I'm like, okay, okay. That thought means the next thought has to be- go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just, I was going to say, I know where you're going with this. That next thought. That next thought has to be, uh-uh, yep. lower the dose, go from scheduled to as needed. Yep. And, you know, so now I'm only taking meds prior to physical therapy. Good. Yeah. Which is grueling. <laughs> Absolutely. Sort of torturous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, it's going well. I mean, I, I'm working from home. Yeah. 
for Breed Life Healing Center, where I've been working yeah. for almost eight years. And so a lot of my chart auditing and all the sort of administrative stuff that I do, I can do from home. Mm-hmm. But it's going okay, you know? Yeah. I want to drive. I want to get back in my life. I want to dance, you yeah. know, but I can't. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? And you mentioned that you're probably going to have a second knee replacement at one day, right? And you know what? You will. This will, you will recover from this. You'll keep doing that hard physical therapy. Physical therapy is going to get easier and easier. And before you know it, you'll be back at life full time, right? You're already going to be back at life full time, but you'll be up dancing and doing the things that you want to do. Oh my God. I'm so excited. And speaking of breathe, well, let me ask uh, yeah. you a question before we move yeah. on. I want to ask you a question. Yeah. So in your practice, mm-hmm. you treat a lot of people like me mm-hmm. in my previous opioid addiction yes. with this chronic pain, this people need to help you up from sitting down. Yeah. And then once the meds are gone, you get back to baseline and you figure out what pain do you really have? That's right. Yeah. But then you're dealing with the denial in the mind. Mm-hmm. That creates the pain that needs the opiates. Yeah. Right? Boy, you are so far ahead of the game. That's amazing. Yes, absolutely. That's- you know, in that chronic pain world, Robin, so many people that have ongoing chronic pain, whether it's from sports injuries, whether it's from backyard playing or whether it's from aging or spine surgery or whatever it is, they get in a cycle of depression and anxiety and fear. Then they develop kinesophobia, which is a fear of movement. If I do anything, I'm going to hurt worse. They get more depressed. You get anxious. You need more medication. You develop what we call hyperalgesia, which means your pain tolerance goes down and your pain, your pain threshold goes down. The medication need goes up. Uh, right? It takes more sure. medication to manage the same amount of pain mm-hmm. that you were having. Mm-hmm. So on that little zero to 10 scale, I often say, Mac, that if someone is rating their pain at a 10, which many people, chronic pain patients do, you can wipe off about seven points if you remove the emotional and psychological overlay. That's right. Yeah, from pain. And here's an interesting thing too. It's like hyperalgesia versus tolerance. Yeah. Because you have the tolerance that comes that builds up over time with pain meds, but then the hyperalgesia lowers the threshold, which creates higher tolerance. So you're in this horrible horrible cycle. Asthma of absolutely and oh. your life just spirals out of control mm. and you start thinking people who have knee replacements and they get on opiates and pain medication for short-term knee replacement right and then you start thinking oh this is not good this is not good oh this is taking my pain away oh i need a little bit more this right. is okay right mm-hmm. yes. so in recovery it's really the perfect scenario is to have someone like shane mm-hmm. your son yes. so, a colleague someone that's helping you or living with you short term to dole out that medication as prescribed which is what she's doing which is the perfect way to do this i mm-hmm. never knew how boundaried my son is yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> he's a he normie <laughs> he's hardcore man he's he's a gift uh, on a daily basis yeah. so Aww. yes yeah that's amazing i'm so glad that you have him did your mom live with you mac before she passed away i miss her i miss seeing her on facebook and oh my god my little mommy no you know when when my mom moved from her home of Mm -hmm. many many years into assisted living i was like mom why don't you come live with me yeah she's like oh hell no (laughs) i am not i'm not gonna do it and so she moved to assisted living she did not live with me Mm -hmm. i wish she had Mm -hmm. but um 
you know, my mom was a trip and, and she was such a lady and yeah. she passed away uh, in 2016. Yeah. Miss her all I the time. Know. This is actually the room she would have lived in had she moved in with me. Wow. I've been in this house 21 years. So yeah, yeah that's she amazing. She's here with us, but you know, she she's a- missed. She was a beautiful woman. I miss her too. I miss seeing you. you interact with her on Facebook and happy birthdays and all of that. So I know that you miss her a lot. You I know, believe. I wanted to give a shout out to Brad Lamb at Breathe Life Healing Centers. And you've been there how many years now? Almost eight. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I've, been, I've been at Breathe a long time. Yeah. Why don't you talk about your journey a little bit from being the amazing actress that you've been your entire life to working with Brad Lamb at Breathe Life Healing Centers. How in the world did that happen? <laughs> well, when I was a little girl, yep. um, I grew up in a very uh, not normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. My dad was a rock star. He was Papa John at the Mamas and the Papas. My mom was an Eastern Seaboard socialite, you know, yep. know, which, know which fork to use, sit up straight like mm-hmm. the queen, no white after Labor Day kind of lady. Mm-hmm. And... I think, believe I was conceived sort of during a one night reconciliation and I never lived with both my parents that I'm aware of. Wow. And my dad went on to become this, you know, huge superstar. And my mom was McNamara's personal secretary at the Pentagon. You yeah. know, it was this kind of, uh, which is another story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. But, um, so I grew up sort of living a double life. It was like Disneyland on acid at my dad's house. Yeah. And, uh, you know, no which fork to use at my mom's house. And I remember well, one of my dogs is coughing. You're going to hear animal noises. That's in the back. all right. Yeah. You and I, we all love dogs on <laughs> we this too. show. So, yeah. yeah. You're in good, good company. Good, good. good company. So I remember being a little girl and looking around, like five, seven years old, looking around at the adults in my life and not necessarily my mom, although she was a pretty hardcore alcoholic Mm -hmm. and thinking to myself, what makes people do the things that they do? What drives behavior? Yeah. Why would these adults think it would be okay to be the way that they are around a child? And I remember thinking this when I was very small. Mm. So I was always interested in what, makes people do the things that they do. Mm -hmm. And apparently I went to my mother when I was a little girl and said, I want to be an abnormal psychologist. Uh That's what she said. I said to her, and apparently (laughs) that was the term in the, I remember that term. Yep. And she said, well, honey, only, only boys can be doctors. Oh. And then I said, well, then I want to be a fireman. Mm-hmm. And she said, I'm sorry, honey, only boys can be firemen. Mm-hmm. I said, well, then I want to be a nun. And she said, well, <laughs> then your boyfriend will be Jesus Christ and you'll never get married and have children. And I said, well, then, okay, fine, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I digress. I had a lifelong curiosity and obsession with, I'm an observer yeah. of behavior and um uh, intuitive like oh when someone does that that means they're thinking or feeling this mm-hmm. you know and so i you know the acting train pulled into town when i was 12 and i rode that train in the direction it was going for many many years yes you did and 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 in those years going to treatment multiple times mm-hmm. and thinking oh this is what i want to do uh-huh. i want to be able to but of course, I, I wasn't sober yet and didn't get sober for many years. But I thought, I want to be, I want to help. I want to be a helper. 
Mm-hmm. I want to be a healer. Then my second book is called Hopeful Healing because yep. I think of myself as a hopeful healer. Absolutely. And I got arrested in, in August of 2008 for felony possession mm-hmm. after many years of recovery and sort of a very public relapse. Yeah. And I remember being chained to a bench, you know, handcuffed mm-hmm. to a bench mm-hmm. and thinking, uh-oh, uh-oh, oh boy. <laughs> because if addiction is like uh, maybe a, a, I don't know, a tumor mm-hmm. that needs to be excised, yeah. I missed a spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I didn't get clear margins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I had to go back to the beginning. Such a great mm-hmm. analogy, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. And I went to treatment again mm-hmm. and I came home and I thought, and I walked into this house that I'm sitting in right now. And I thought, Oh my God, am I going to continue to compete with other women? Am I going to, am I going to follow passion or am I going to follow expectation? Yeah. You know, because the expectation is for me to, you know, continue to try and book acting jobs and audition. And it's just, pardon me, effing exhausting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was tired, you know, And I thought, you know what? Let me go back to school to become a counselor mm-hmm. and see if anyone will hire me. Right. Yeah. And I ended up working at a facility for three years. I and remember. then yeah. I was at a conference and Brad said, you want to go for a drive with me? Mm-hmm. And I said, sure. Uh, Cause I love, uh, yeah. I still love Brad Lamb. I'm obsessed with him. Yeah. And he offered me a job. And out of a misplaced sense of loyalty to my current employer, mm-hmm. I turned him down. Wow. And then I went back to my job. And on a daily basis, my ethical panties were in a twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just like, if I stay, I am complicit. Mm-hmm. And I texted Brad and I said, you know, if you ever offer me a job again, I will have a very different answer for you. Within yeah. three weeks, I was at breathe. Yeah. And, you know, I started there as a, as a primary counselor, I carried a caseload, loved it, worked with clients, you know, all that. And then I started traveling to speak. And then, then my second book came out and I was on a book tour and, you know, you can't just say to your caseload, Hey, I hope the rest of treatment goes well. I gotta go. (laughs) I gotta run. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta go on a book tour. And so I became the float counselor. So, and then I became you know, a director and now I'm a part owner. And yeah. so over the years I've sort of moved upstairs bit by bit. And, you know, I, I've found that I'm capable of doing things I never ever thought I would be able to do administrative work, systems, improvement, chart, auditing, resolving billable hours, all these things. That so amazing. Never. Yeah. I never even thought they would interest me, but apparently, uh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Isn't it amazing that you can go from where you were in, you know, obviously having a very successful career coming from a very successful family. Um, and then also having the addiction, right? The life of addiction and the struggles that you've had, not even believing, oh my gosh, I could own part of a treatment center. I could own a treatment center. I could audit charts. I can save lives. You wanted to do it, but you thought, how am I going to do that? How am I going to, I always had this idea that Mac, oh, Mac can't drive a stick. Oh, Mac can't, do this. Matt, mm-hmm. Matt can't do that because of early conditioning yeah. that I was only yeah. capable of yeah. one thing. Yeah. 
And as they say in recovery, these old ideas that we have about ourselves have to be smashed. That's right. So that we can create space for new skills, Mm -hmm. new interests, new ways of being. Mm -hmm. And I got to tell you, I mean, when I started working at Breathe Life Healing Center, I was sitting at the feet of the master. I was sitting at the feet of Kathleen Murphy. Yeah. Uh, for for many years, and uh, she was our clinical director, and you know, a brilliant psychodramatist, a, a sensory motor a psychotherapy therapist, uh, yep. you know, one of those magical unicorn people. Right. And Kathleen has since, after founding Breathe Life Healing Center and creating the curriculum that we use at Breathe, has since left Breathe and moved on to Onsite, mm-hmm. where she works. Um, Love Kathleen. Yeah. <laughs> God, she's so yeah. yummy. Yeah. So now we have Adrienne Glasser, mm-hmm. who is uh, an internal family systems guru yep. and is a brilliant uh, clinician in her own right. And so we keep on keeping on. We have the echoes and the remnants of the beautiful program that Kathleen Murphy created. Mm-hmm. And then we add in this incredible, incredibly trained uh, internal family systems therapist so we have this really uh, rich and vivid program yeah. where, you know, and we also have our chemsex track. So right. we work with gay men with crystal meth and sex addiction, where those wires of meth and sex are so tang- tangled up yeah. that the work of untangling those wires and having a sex positive sex life instead yeah. of you know, a meth induced sex life exactly. is something really important and something that we do very well. It is so needed in our community in the LGBT, in my community, the LGBTQ plus community. And it's an underserved population, I believe, and especially yes. that chem sex population. And you guys and my good friend, Manny Rodriguez at La Fuente, who's a good oh, friend of Manny, yours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys both do such great jobs at, in that population. So thank you for making that a part. And obviously Brad Lamb is very proud of that pro- program as well that Absolutely. you guys do. So yeah, congrats to all you guys are doing at, at, at Breathe. Um, we're a big supporter and we love you guys. So, uh, you know, I wanted to ask something uh, rather difficult and that is again, coming from the family that you come from and the life that you've had and the struggles that you've had and the huge successes now that you're experiencing, you know, you had a very, very difficult relationship with your father and you had a significant amount of trauma uh, related to your father. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about overcoming that trauma. Sure. When I think about my father and I think about my life, I think about generational trauma. Mm -hmm. I think about inherited trauma. I think about the perfect storm of untreated mental illness, raging addiction, and childhood abuse and neglect that we unwittingly pass through the generations. My father was a narcissist, Mm -hmm. and I've discovered there's no pill for narcissism. There is not. (laughs) There's no pill. You can't just go, oh, my God, you're a narcissist here. Take some Apulia. You'll be better and you'll stop hurting the people. Because they never think they are. (laughs) Exactly. Right. So, you know, I it took me a long time to see that I had been groomed and that I had been prepped for incest and sexual abuse uh, from a very young age. And when I think about incest survivors Mm -hmm. and 
how it's so taboo and people don't want to think about it. People don't want to look at it. People don't believe that it happens as often as it does, Mm -hmm. not only in societies around, around the world, but in Western society and here in the United States. And I believe that in order to speak of forgiveness, I had to practice forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So, I know my dad didn't hold me in his arms for the first time and go, oh, goody, a baby, a baby girl. Mm-hmm. I'm going to drug her and I'm going to groom her and I'm going to have sex with her while she's unconscious. I just don't think that's how it went down. And I hate what he did. Mm-hmm. And it's so difficult because the, it, it's such a complicated thing to think about or even speak about because I loved my dad, you know, but he harmed me and his music is brilliant. Like he was a genius, but he was a tortured, megalomaniacal, narcissistic genius. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so for me to walk free from that, those two things have to be able to exist at the same time. Mm -hmm. I have to be able to love my dad. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. also have to be able to hate what yeah. he did to me. Mm-hmm. And so then I am left with this busy brain that has conflicting emotions Sure. about that. Like, it's like coming from a wealthy family. How do you speak of neglect? Yeah, you know, exactly. right. yeah. you know, how do you go? Oh, my God, my needs weren't met. But you <laughs> lived in a mansion and your dad had a Rolls Royce and there was mm-hmm. a chef. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So all of these things are very conflicting. I forgave my father on his deathbed. Yeah. He couldn't speak anymore. He was intubated, but Mm. I know he heard me. Absolutely. And I said, I said, I am grateful that I am your daughter. I am grateful for the highs and the lows because the person that I have become is tremendously resilient and able to say, oh, me too. I've been there. I've walked through this. Mm-hmm. Now, here's something interesting. High on Arrival, my book mm-hmm. that was, you know, New York Times bestseller, yep. you know, the host was like, oh, my God, Mackenzie Phillips shares this devastating secret, came just a little too early. If High on Arrival had come out during the Me Too movement, oh, oh, for my sure. gosh. nobody would have, yeah, like... Okay. The, the backlash that I yeah. uh, had from Which that Which was traumatic under, in itself, I'm sure. It was absolutely traumatic. Yeah. I, I mean, I, 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 I still can't wrap my mind yeah. around it. I remember sitting at home one day and I turned on, I don't know, Access Hollywood or yeah. Extra or one of those. And they were showing a clip of me talking to Oprah Winfrey on her show. And they had a body language expert watching it and commenting on whether or not I was telling the truth. Wow. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine in our current climate? Not today. Nope. Would never have happened. Never. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I was a pioneer. Yeah, (laughs) you were. You absolutely were. (laughs) And it was not, it wasn't an easy time. Yeah. It wasn't an easy time. And I lost my family and, uh, you know, we have since reconciled. We are, you know, as close as a scattered family like mine can be. Sure. 
yeah, full of artists and and, and geniuses, right? Yeah. And that's a difficult uh, <laughs> mad mad geniuses. Yeah, mad geniuses. You know, but you know, it's been it's been an incredible it's been an incredible ride. And sometimes I think about like I was talking earlier about that mortality thing about having a knee replaced, your joints going bad, having osteoarthritis, yeah. and I'm like. How did, how am I 62? Yeah. How did my son just turn 35 last week? <laughs> Damn it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. shocking. Well, yeah, I know. You know, I'll fin- I want to wrap up that segment real quick on, on your dad by saying the gift I feel like you were given was the gift of healing other people and being able True. to talk about that experience, yep. Mac, and, mm-hmm. and really showing women, men for that matter, everyone that's, right. that's been through what you've been through that it's survivable and not only can you survive, but you can thrive. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So are you still singing and are you doing any acting besides breathe? You know, I don't actively seek acting work. I have an agent, yeah. or, you know, cause I've always sure. had an agent. So yeah. it seemed like I should just have an agent. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, let me tell you that when I did orange is the new black, you know, maybe four or five years ago, yeah. I was at the flight attendant drug and alcohol program conference. Yeah, in Vegas. Baltimore. Oh, oh wow. Baltimore. Baltimore. Okay. You're yeah. thinking of LAP. Yeah, LAP. Uh, yeah. Um, and I got a call from my agent, and I was sitting there with Kathleen Murphy and Deb Hughes, the mm-hmm. CEO of Reed. And my agent was like, Hey, Orange is the New Black called. Do you want to put yourself on tape for Orange is the New Black? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the CEO of Breathe, Deb Hughes, mm-hmm. played the other role. That's amazing. Kathleen Murphy, uh-huh. the clinical director of Breathe, directed the audition. That's oh, amazing. Wow. We're at a conference where I'm presenting on generational trauma. Right. Oh, wow. I email the 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 uh, tape back to my agent, and as I'm waiting in line in security to to fly home from the conference, mm-hmm. I get a call that I booked the job. Amazing. You know, right. it's so funny how that works. So then I was on location in New York for four months, four or five months, mm-hmm. you know, sitting in my prison uniform in my dressing room, auditing charts on my computer. I love it. <laughs> working <laughs> at Breathe while working on Orange is the New Black. And so uh, do I have any acting work in the works? No. Yeah. Could sure. that change at any given moment? Sure. Sure. Do I value myself by my last acting project? Part of me does mm-hmm. because that was ingrained in me. Yep. Okay. But the work that I do at Breathe is so fulfilling oh, and yeah. so exciting. Yeah. And every day, I mean, I remember when I yeah. was doing the new one day at a time on Netflix, and then it was at Sony, so I could just drive yeah. over to Breathe. So I'd be at, you know, at Sony rehearsing and doing the new one day at a time. And then the day would end early and I'd get wrapped and I'd get in my car and I'd drive over to Breathe and I'd walk into a clinical meeting where people were talking about saving somebody's life yeah what clinical interventions can we use to retain this client in treatment so that they don't end up dead yeah. and i thought this is my jam right yeah. that's fun but yeah. this yeah. is my jam yeah mm-hmm. this is where yeah. i want to be and where that's i need right. to be yeah that's absolutely right. yeah you wanted to ask her you told me in the elevator ride over here you said let's talk about dogs yeah well yeah. you had louie you didn't introduce louie is he still there in <laughs> your lap He's lived with me since he was four. Did you rescue him? I'll introduce you to one more guy. Yeah. 
Now, are they all rescues, Mac? All of them. Oh, I love that. Eye. Oh, his hi. His name is One Eye. Aww. He's 14. <laughs> I love He's it. He's my baby. When did you rescue him? How old was he? He was a year and a half. Oh. And he was Bless a one-eyed you. dog at the time. Yeah. yeah. But his name was Hershey. Oh, my gosh. And Her- I was like, Hershey. Mm. No, doesn't fit. Your name is One Eye. <laughs> <laughs> so we call we call him Oney. Oh, hey, Oney, he's adorable. He is beautiful. <laughs> he's deaf. Oh, okay. He can't hear. All Hello, right. he can't hear a word. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. So you've got four. I well, I had four dogs, oh. but Rudy Pug passed away in December. I'm yep. sorry. So now we have one pug, two Chihuahuas. And three rescued cats. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. It's a busy house. It is a busy house. So yeah. speaking of being busy, when you're not at Breathe and you're, you know, you and I being in this business, when we're not at work, we're at work, right? We, we, right. It's on our mind and we're working all the time. What do you do for self-care and what do you do for fun? Well. When you're not recovering from knee replacement? I am an avid board gamer. Ah. Oh. Um, and I'm not talking about risk or Monopoly, or Settlers of Catan. Mm -hmm. My son and I play these massive board games. It's a category of board games called Euro games, and they're heavy strategy games. And so we've turned our den into a game room. We have many, many games we play whenever we can. That's amazing. Talk about something that, yeah. that that promotes neuroplasticity. I was going to yeah. say, you're not getting Alzheimer's. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Because, you know, this is this massive game table and you're managing resources and finances <laughs> and worker placement. And it's it's that absolutely so wild. Wonderful. I love that. I love it. And what and a great release. Go ahead. I also play Oculus, the VR headset. I love Oculus. Oh, oh, I've never done that. So much fun. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. Good for you. Yeah. Now, are you able, you're probably not able to do Oculus right now with your knee, huh? Well, I have been playing Fruit Ninja from the bed. Oh, I love it. What? <laughs> because you can, Fruit you can you wouldn't a, get it. <laughs> you can set a stationary boundary. <laughs> yes, you can. And so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely love it. You're using your arms and swords. You'll have and, to explain yeah. that to me exactly. later. I don't even we'll know what that is. I know. Yeah. I, I I can't wait until I can play the, my favorite game standing up again, but I, I can't do it. Right yeah, now. no, 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 not at all. It was too dangerous. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Well, we yeah. ran out of time. Oh. Do you want to ask her your understanding question? I could sit here for I know another you hour I know. with her, you or two have, hours with her. <laughs> We're way over time. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what, Mac? I always want to ask you or uh, ask folks, what is your understanding of the human condition? That's a hard question, a little little curveball out there, but you are the epitome of the human condition, you really. You know. Well, I think that we forget that we are light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we we are light. We are electricity. We are power. We are love. Yeah. yeah. And I think we get so caught up. I get so caught up in the doing of tasky tasky let me do this oh my god i have to do that let me wash let me do the laundry while i clean the floors and you know yeah that i forget to remember yeah that i and i learned this from kathleen murphy that i have inherent worth and value that cannot be taken away and that i am the physical manifestation 
of light. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. What a perfect way to end this. And let me say one more quick yeah. thing. I am so proud of you for your life and what you've been through and where you are and being now a part owner at Breathe and all the work <laughs> yeah. that you're doing at Breathe with Brad. Please tell Brad I said hello. One other person that told me to tell tell you hello that loves you and has known you your entire life is can't my wonderful friend Candy Finnegan. Oh my God, do I adore that woman. Yeah. We have stories. We have, I bet you do. <laughs> That's another you, episode. Exactly. That'll be another episode. I should get the two of you on an episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She wow. is something else, man. Yes. And, and I loved her husband, Mike, too. Oh, I love Mike Finnegan so much. And I love Candy. I'm having dinner with her Friday night. Can't wait will to you kiss her. her right on the face for me? I will. Aww, I right will. on that yeah. face. I will. I'm kissing you, air kissing you, and I hope to see you really soon. Well, Mackenzie, if anyone wants to reach you and any of our listeners, how do they reach you? Oh, so my handles for social media are at Mac, M-A-C-K Phillips. Okay. Instagram, Twitter, and also Facebook is Mackenzie Phillips. Yeah. And breathelifehealingcenters.com. Absolutely. Yeah. Dr. You hear my cat meowing. In the I do say, yeah. don't forget about me. She's like, feed me. That's right. <laughs> I know. Yeah, feed I me. Attention. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Flowers, how do folks reach you? You know what? J Flowers Health Institute and it's jflowershealth.com. And I would love to have you and Brad out to Houston. I yeah. come tour uh, J Flowers Health and, and spend some time with us. You got to go. That would be great. Yeah. And I know we, we're having a tour with you at some point soon. Too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we sure okay. are. Yeah. I'll call you offline and say hello. Okay. Thank you right. again. Love you, dear. Thank you, Robin. Thank, Thank you, you. Nice to meet yeah. you. Nice to meet you. Bye. 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 And I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone that you think it could help. Absolutely. And we remind you also that a clear diagnosis is key to the most effective treatment possible. Yes, it is. See you next Thanks week. Thanks again, Robin. Thank yeah. you.